Pamela Harriman Pamela Digby Churchill Harriman, ambassador and courtesan, died on February 5, 1997, aged 76. If you collected a dozen or so of Pamela Harriman's fancier lovers and put them round a dinner table, you had the makings of a world government. Not in the sense of cabinet ministers and presidents, that would have been far too crude and plodding for the stylish Mrs. Harriman, but in the sense that her galaxy of fellows and husbands could, together, have bought much of the world and made it spin. Imagine the dinner party. Her first husband, the drunken Randolph Churchill, might have brought along his father Winston. There could have been a general or two from either side of the Atlantic whom Mrs. Harriman helped win the Second World War. The airwaves would have been vibrant enough. Bill Paley of CBS owned a lot of them. Ed Murrow, America's greatest wartime correspondent, was their master. Fine wine at dinner? Eli de Rothschild, owner, among other things, of Chateau Lafitte, would see to that. Nice pictures on the wall? Even without her Murillos and Renoirs, Carter Brown, director of Washington's National Gallery, could help out. Want to go racing tomorrow? Ali Khan, the Argus heir, would give you a tip. Something soapy after dinner? Step forward, Frank Sinatra. Or something still more soothing, then why not a late-night viewing of The Sound of Music, courtesy of husband number two, Leland Haywood, who produced it and left the royalties trickling in every year to darling Pamela. If you wanted to leave in a hurry, Gianni Agnelli, who owned Fiat, could provide fast wheels. A more sedate exit? How about one of Stavros Nyarkos's yachts? Mrs. Harriman's life was an astonishing tale of sex, money, and far sweeter smelling than both of those coarse commodities, power. From pigs to riches. But it was not how she started. Her father, the 11th Baron Digby, was charming and gentle, knowledgeable about pigs and other rural matters. She was red-headed, bouncy more than pretty, always a bit pushy, and slightly unpopular with her crowd. But when she was nineteen, she met and very quickly and disastrously married the only son of the man shortly to be Prime Minister. When he was away at war, she took up with the rich and famous and glamorous, and never looked back. She rapidly divorced, then played the field for fourteen years. Her second marriage to Hayward lasted from 1960 until he died in 1971. Soon after, she married a mega-rich former lover, Avril Harriman and became an American. Harriman was once governor of New York, ex-ambassador to the Soviet Union and Britain, and one of the Democratic Party's biggest benefactors. When he died in 1986, leaving her assets worth over $100 million, her storm-tossed ship had finally come home. She became, in her own right, the doyenne of Washington hostesses, giving power meals largely in the cause bequeathed to her by Harriman, the resurrection of the Democratic Party. She helped promising lads from Hicksville, like a certain Bill Clinton. They were grateful. He gave her a lovely embassy in Paris. At last she was both rich and powerful in her own right. She had won. Why did she do it? How did she manage it? And did it, in the end, make her happy? From an early age, despite, perhaps because of, her rather dozy background, she was driven to succeed. Perhaps her unpopularity in early life egged her on to show those bitches who was best. She liked glamour, she adored money, 
not so much for hedonistic reasons as for the sense of security she hoped it would bring. Power, perhaps, became an additional aphrodisiac. Having the ears of presidents and prime ministers as well as tycoons and film stars was marvellously satisfying. How did she do it? She was tough and manipulative, though not especially subtle. She was not very clever, certainly not bookish. She had little interest in ideology. If Harriman or Clinton had been Republicans, she wouldn't have minded a jot. Although not a great beauty, she kept a trim figure. Doubtless, she was expert between the sheets. The key to her success, though, was her ability to fix her concentration on one man, one at a time, and convince him that she was utterly enthralled. It is a recipe that few could resist. After Harriman died, the prospect of her financial backing was an additional...